Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. Today we start a brand new series that we are calling Birds and Bees. It's a series all about relationships. If you've been with Lighthouse Church two years ago, we did a series called XO, and we had a lot of fun talking about relationships, and that's what we're going to be doing in this series. Now, today, I'm I'm coming to you from a barbershop because in round one, all right, in the very first week of this series, I'm talking to the men today. Now, let me let you guys know a little secret here at Lighthouse Church, and I got some guys surrounding me here at the barbershop. Two years ago when we do this series, uh, a little less than two years ago, I preached a message called The Truth About Men. And that was the most watched sermon before COVID. And I don't know if it was men or women that were watching it, to be honest. Maybe it was women like wanting to know more about men. But, but that sermon was one of the most watched sermons we've ever produced. That let us know people want to know more about relationships. And then we did this other message called Finding the Right One. Again, a whole bunch of views. People were tuning into that. So, you know, I decided every year we're going to talk about relationships. Now, in 2020, we had to give it a pass due to COVID. We were just preaching out of an entirely different space, but we're bringing it back in this series called Birds and Bees. And so today, I'm going to be talking to the guys, but listen to me, ladies. You're going to get something as well. If you're a married guy, this is going to really resonate with you. If you're a single guy, I'm glad you're hearing this now that you're single so that you can walk into a marriage one day and you have some really good information to take with you into that marriage. Now, lastly, I'm just going to say this. I'm going to speak in generalizations, okay? I might say something and you're like, yeah, most guys are like that, but I'm not like that. Listen, that's very intentional. I speak in generalizations because, as I just said, most guys are there. And I think you're going to hear a lot of truth and a lot of it's going to just permeate with all of you. So let's get ready. I hope you're ready. Look at your neighbor sitting at home on the couch with you and ask him, are you ready? Because we're going to go. Buckle up. Okay, let's go. Go with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to read verses 25 through 27. And then I'm going to give you a title here that's probably going to mess with you, but it's going to all make sense when we get there. Ephesians 5 says this, husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for the church that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Now, listen, I'm going to give you a title that's going to mess with you. Hang in with me for the duration of this sermon. Please don't cancel me when you hear this title, okay? Here's the title of today's message. Don't be loyal to your wife. Don't be loyal to your wife, okay? The shock factor sank in yet? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these moments that we've gathered and these moments that we've shared. I pray, Father, that as we get into your word, that you would help us to see, Father, that through your word, there are principles and truth that we can take and apply to our lives. God, your word is timeless. And even today in 2021, we look to your word to find principles that help our marriages and help our relationships, help us with our children, God. And so we just want to take all of that in this series, Father, and apply it to our lives. We ask all this in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. Can hit you with that title one more time? Don't be loyal to your wife. Let me tell you about something that happened my senior year of high school. Yes, I'm going to go all the way back 22 years, okay? And so it was my senior year of high school. And, and, and you know, your senior year of high school is supposed to be like the, the culmination of four years, right? It's like everything that you did your freshman, sophomore, junior year, it all peaks in your senior year. And so I was super involved in music. I did all kinds of music at the school. I did everything from concert band, jazz band, marching band, rock band, garage band. I mean, if there was a band, I was playing the drums for it. I was all in. When I was 12 years old, I got uh, some drumsticks and a drum set, and I just went to town, and I was playing drums for years. And in my senior year of high school, what I was so pumped up about was I was the captain of the drum line. And our drum line, I mean, we had been progressing. And, you know, um, I, I had a lot of, of, of connections. We were a, a drum line that had been together since we were seventh graders at Bonita Middle School. Shout out to Bonita Middle School. And so by the time we got to our senior year, we were like a unit because we had been together since we were in seventh grade. So we were just this unit and we would compete in these drum line competitions called Drums Across California. And we were like ready to just make some noise my senior year, right? That was going to be the year. But there was a lot of transitions that happened my senior year. We got this new band director, and um, we didn't care for him too much. If I'm going to be honest with you, he was tough, but we had a drum coach that we loved. I mean, our drum coach was everything. He was like our guy. He always had our back. So even though we were kind of like, eh, with the band director, we so liked our coach that as long as he was there, we're like, all right, we're going to put up with the nonsense because we were so committed to our drum coach. Well, something happened and uh, one day where our coach wasn't there. And when our coach wasn't there, the band director started, you know, digging into us. And I think part of it was we were such a cohesive unit. Again, we had been doing this for seven years. And even though we had this, like, strong group of seniors, we had these freshmen and sophomore kids. And they were super talented. And the older guys were pouring into the younger guys. And we were just ready to make some noise in these drumline competitions. And so there was one day where our drum coach couldn't be there. And so the band director steps in. And he's just, like, grilling us. He's just, like, grilling us in, 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 our, in our rehearsal. And it started to feel like, dude, why are you attacking us, right? You're coming at us very, very hard. And um, we had this, uh, one of our bass drummers, he was like our best, our best one. His name was Frankie. And Frankie was like this big, quiet, strong, calm Mexican, right? He's a big dude, strong dude. And um, for whatever reason, the band director just decided to single him out and started picking on him about his behavior and rehearsal. And as the band director started picking on this guy, he started laughing. I think he started laughing because he knew that even though he was 16 years old, he could probably knock the band director out. You get, you know what I'm talking about? Anybody have any of those kids in high school that were like big, they were like man-childs, like big boys. That was Frankie. He was a big boy. He just started laughing. I was like, yo, Frankie, knock it off, man. That's still an adult. And, uh, and it got the band director mad. And so the band director said words to him. And Frankie said words to him. And I'm like, oh, this isn't going to go well. And then he said, you know what, Frankie? You're out. And he not, in, not only kicked him out of drumline, but he like kicked him out of band. He said, I, you are out. And I'm the leader of the drumline. I, I, this is, I'm like, no, this is like my best bass drummer. And I don't know what happened in that moment. But I was like, no way. You, you can't let my guy go. Not like that. So I spoke up. And, and I am like was actually even surprised. But that leader within me stood up. And now I'm arguing with the band director, basically saying, you can't tell him that. And I'm, I'm standing up for my guy, right? So in that moment, I'm choosing loyalty to my guy over my very own passion for playing the drums. And here's what happened. 
I, when, 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 he, when he sent off Frankie, I put my drum down. I said, if he's out, then I'm out. The band director's like, then I guess you're out. Man, all the seniors were out that day. There was like this little coup. And next thing you know, half of the drum line walks. And you're talking about all the senior time. We're just gone, right? And in that moment, I look at that. I look at that moment, and maybe it wasn't the right choice. Who knows? But I chose loyalty over passion. And that's what men do, right? I mean, men, we, we prop up loyalty, don't we? Loyalty is something that we're very high on. Men are, lawyer, are loyal. Men are more loyal than women. That's just facts. And I'm going to explain all that in just a moment. Men are far more loyal. It's, it's a quality. It's a trait that we hang on to than women hang on to. Let me just give you a couple examples. Most men still have friends from like their childhood that they still keep in touch with more so than women. I'm married. I've been married for 16 years and I've gotten more of my friends that I keep in touch with who uh, are really young than my wife does. And most married couples, you'd probably think, yeah, I think my husband probably has more friends from childhood. Now, sometimes those friends are even like great friends, right? And maybe your wives are like, why is he still your friend? It's like, I don't know. I just known him forever. He's been in my life forever because we are loyal. Let me hit you with something else real quick. Any women watching online ever felt like you had to compete with your mother-in-law? Oh, come on. I know I, I'm poking now. You're like, oh, no, pastor's going to go there. I'm going there. Here's the deal. Here's the reason for that. If any ladies felt like, man, I'm having to compete with my mother-in-law, it's because your husband's mom was the first woman in his life. And men are loyal. That's why wives sometimes are like, you need to stand up for, you stand up for me um, in front of your mom. And, and men are like so torn. What do I do? They're torn between their loyalty. Why? Because mom was first. She'll always be first. And, and that's a tension that men have to juggle. And, and, and now I know some women might be watching online and be like, oh, no, I've been cheated on. Men are players. Men are not loyal. Listen to me. Far more men are loyal then there are cheaters, okay? Just because you found the wrong one, don't, don't, doesn't, don't, don't paint with a, a broad brush, okay? Far more men are loyal than men who are not loyal, okay? That's just the way we are wired. Men also prop up loyalty. So it's not just that we're wired loyal, but we prop up loyalty. There's something about our masculinity that we put a premium on loyalty. I was talking to a friend of mine recently, and um, my friend, his son, um, I baptized his son. Um, my friend's a little older than me, and he's got kids that were in the youth group when I was youth pastor. And I was checking in on him. I said, how's your son doing? Now, I knew that his son had made some mistakes, and um, he ended up going to prison doing federal time, but he was out now, and he had totally turned his life around. And we were just kind of talking about his son, and he shared with me this moment with his son. He said, yeah, you know, he learned really early to mind your own business when he was in prison. Because at one point in time when he was in Oklahoma, he starts telling me this story. When he was in Oklahoma, he saw some guy do something that wasn't right. And he looked at him a certain way and he said something. Next thing you know, he was punched and on his back and he learned that day. Don't just mind your own business. And then my friend said this, you know what they say, snitches get stitches right? That's what we say as men. That, that's like something we prop up. We put a premium on loyalty and we say, you've got to be loyal. You've got to be loyal. And, and so there is this perpetuation of why we must be loyal. And, and, and loyalty is good until it's not. Loyalty is something good. It's a good trait. It's a great trait until it's not. And, and let me give you some examples of when it's not, because I found some of this in my study as I prepared for tonight. Okay. 
It's not good to be loyal if it's at the expense of your happiness. Say that again. It's not good to be loyal if being loyal to someone or something causes you to lose your happiness. Anyone ever been stuck in a dead-end job, but you wouldn't leave even though you hated it because you were loyal to the people that they were there? I have a friend of mine, and I asked him, like, you seem really unhappy at that job. He goes, I know. If it wasn't for my coworkers, I'd leave. Ah, what is that? That's loyalty. That's loyalty. He said, yeah, I don't like the company. I don't particularly care for my boss, but I like my coworkers. And so he put up with his happiness being, um, you know, at the extent of his happiness because of loyalty. Number two, men rarely break up with women. I thought this was hilarious. Men rarely break up with women unless one of two things happens. They got a better option or she goes absolutely crazy. That's the only time. But men, for the most part, they'd much rather have the women break up with them. They might even create an uncomfortable situation because they just hate being disloyal. Number three, and I thought this was crazy, but studies show, check this out. This, this will let you know why loyalty affects men much more. More men commit suicide after a breakup than women. I don't know if you knew that. I know we think women are as more emotional, but studies show that more men, because again, they've lost, they, they so value loyalty, more men are likely to commit suicide after a bad breakup than women. This is another thing that men do, and, and, and they do it because of loyalty. When we're married, we tend to let ourselves go. When we're married, we're just like, ah, I got my queen. Now I can let myself go. I don't need to stay in the gym. I don't have to care about the way I look. I, I, I read this. It says, an unkept husband is a loyal husband. Can you believe that? That women would actually say that. They'd say, I'd rather my guy be unkept because that way I know he's never going to leave me. But again, I don't think it's good to let yourself go. But some men, because they value loyal, loyalty more, they'll let themselves go. Number five, what some men do in a marriage is they start to take their wife for granted because they know, hey, she knows I'm loyal to her. She knows that I'm loyal to her. She knows I'd never cheat on her. Uh, she knows that I'm a loyal husband. But then in the process of doing that, they end up taking their wife for granted. And then sometimes because men are so loyal, they don't even say, I love you. They just don't tell their wives, I love you. And, and I've, I've talked to a lot of guys who had this issue about never being told that they were loved. And I've got three little boys of my own, and I constantly tell my boys, I love you, I love you. I let them know it. Like, Daddy loves you. I want for them to know that they are loved. But I've met some guys that have never heard that word, I love you. And they never heard their dad tell their mom that they love them. And some guys, we just, I'm loyal. And I told my wife that I loved her on the day that we got married. And if anything changes, that's when I let her know. But she should know that I love her. That's because we have this bend towards loyalty. Last one here. Loyalty means not letting go of pain. And I found this to be kind of fascinating. Some of the guys that, that, um, guys that are cheaters, guys that, that do cheat on their spouse or significant others, most of them do that because they were hurt in a relationship. And so now they just get back and they've been so hardwired in with this pain that they cope with their pain by just being loyal to what they are. And it may not even be good, but they're loyal to something that's not good. So we put this premium, men, we put this premium on loyalty. And again, not loyalty, not all loyalty is bad, but there is a point when it's not good of the which I just shared right there. But let me get into now the meat of what I want to talk to you about, guys, because I, I gave you this title, Don't Be Loyal to Your Wife. And you might be thinking, okay, Pastor, what in the world are you talking about? And here's what I really want you to get, okay? Don't be loyal to your wife. You need to love your wife. Let's say that one more time. 
your wife doesn't need your loyalty as much as she needs your love. And I remember sitting down with a young couple and counseling them and he said something and I had been letting this thing bake, this thought of love versus loyalty. I'd been letting it bake for months. And he said, well, you know, pastor, I'm a very loyal person. I, I am a very loyal person. And I said, hold, hold up now. I know you're a loyal person, but, but the problem with loyalty is your wife doesn't need your loyalty as much as she needs your love. Because here's the deal. You can be loyal to someone and not love them, but it is impossible for you to love someone and not be loyal to them. I'm going to say that one more time. You can be loyal to someone and not love them, but it is impossible for you to love someone and to not, it's impossible for you to love someone and not be loyal. And so what happens is men default, their default mechanism, even in a marriage, is to be loyal to their wife. You know, we start off loving her, but as time goes on, we default to our loyalty. And after a while, we don't treat our wife like the queen of the castle anymore. She's just a partner. And she's just a business associate. We start treating our wives like she's our softball buddy. We start treating our wives like she's just someone that we hang out with. And guys can default there. And this is when typically when women start crying out saying, I want to be loved. I want to feel loved. I want to know that you love me. And, and too many men just say, listen, I got food on the table. I got clothes on your back. I got a roof over your head. That means that that's me showing you that I love you. But she needs to know that she's loved. It's not enough to just see all of these examples of your loyalty to her and say, say, that's, that's my love. If she doesn't feel loved, women need to know that they are loved. And what happens is what men do is they chase their wives, they chase their wives, they chase their wives as they are dating them until eventually they get them at the altar. So now they're married and too many men plant their flag like my job is done. I've conquered her heart and now I can rest. And the truth is, you can never stop chasing after your wife's heart if you want your marriage to thrive. If you want your marriage to thrive, you want your relationship to thrive, you better find someone worth chasing every single day. You hear me, guys? If, if, if you're bored with her right now and you are dating her, you've got to pray that God would send you someone that is going to be worth chasing for the rest of your life. You better find someone that's worth chasing for the rest of your life because that's what, exactly what it is to pursue her heart. To love her means every single day, I'm gonna chase her. I'm gonna pursue after her. I am gonna go after my wife. And ladies, you better figure this out right now because if you're dating a guy and this is the best version of him that you've got and you're not happy, don't you dare marry that guy. Because too many women think, well, I'll just fix them once we get married. I don't know why women want to fix men, right? They're like, they want to play like fixer-upper with their dudes. You know what I mean? They're like, I know once I marry him, I can change him. And this is what I learned about marriage, right? I've been married 16 years. Here's what I know about marriage, okay? Number one, women change. Number two, men rarely change. <laughs> Let's say that one more time because there's something in there for both the men and the women, okay? Women, men rarely change. Okay, all right, and men, women change. And it's crazy because you get at this altar, right? And you're seeing your I do's, and, and, and as the man, you think that that woman that you're standing at the altar with right there, she's always gonna look this good. She's never gonna change. She's always gonna be this way. And listen, 
um, you know, 16 years into my marriage, here's what I've learned. It's impossible for my wife to stay exactly the same as that girl that I first met when she was 16 and I married when she was 20. It's impossible for her not, it's impossible for her to not change because she birthed three different little humans and brought them into this world. And we have this unrealistic expectation that she could go through all of that, okay? That, that your wife could bring little humans into this world and she's not gonna change emotionally. She's not gonna change physically. And we have these unrealistic expectations that she should always be the same. And so when you have that expectation, you enter into a marriage with that expectation, let me just tell you right now, man, she will change and you better be ready to embrace that change. And what I've learned to do is celebrate this person that my wife has become because who she is right now, who she is today, I gotta tell you, I'm falling more in love with her today at 37 than I did when I met her when she was 16 years old. But I know that she changed. Now women, listen to me, listen to me. Men rarely change. Don't go into that marriage if you think he's got work to do. You have got to absolutely love that dude because here's the deal. His propensity is to go towards loyalty. Okay? By and large, men will, will start to get complacent. Men will start to get comfortable. And, 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 and before you get mad at me for saying that, there is hope. But very often, it's going to be more than just your wife wanting it for them. Can I just be honest with y'all? Okay, I'm going to be completely honest with y'all. At in 2010, I was over 200 pounds. I was at the unhealthiest point in my life. And, and my wife had told me like, hey, honey, I really think you should change. You should do this. But, but do you want to know what caused me to say, okay, this is enough. I, I've, got to, I've got to take better care of myself is when she was pregnant with our son. And it wasn't until, you know, the doctors got it wrong. At first they said it was really early, and I think they just wanted to act like they knew what they were talking about. They said, you guys are having a girl. So I was like, oh, God, we're having a girl. Okay, let's, let's go have a girl. And then, like, the next checkup, they're like, oh, no, that's a boy. I'm like, wait, you said it was a girl last time. No, that's a boy. I don't know if something changed from the last appointment. We're like, no, that's a boy. And, and it, it, it was so weird. But when, when the doctor said you're having a son, that's when I knew you got to get your stuff together, Josh. And I started running and um, I started trying to get in shape. I, I changed the way I ate. I mean, I was a little puffball, you know, and I, and, uh, and I had to make a change, but it didn't happen because of my wife. I'm being honest, okay? I'm just talking heart to heart, guys. It happened because of my son, because I started thinking about what I was like when I was a kid and I was super active and I was in sports and I was in music and I was doing all these things. And I thought, man, if you don't get, take control of yourself, you won't even be able to run down the block with your kids. And just last Sunday, a week ago, you know, the rain came in last Sunday, went out, there was a little break in the rain, and I went for a run, and I went for a 10K. I said, I'm going to go run six, 10K, 6.2 miles. I'm a runner. I like to run, and I like to ride my bike. So I went for a run, and as I was running, I was just thinking back of 2010. Because in 2010, I signed up for a 10K, and I trained for a 10K. And, and do you want to know what my training was? I needed to run from here to the end of the block, and I'd come walking back like, oh my God, I'm so out of shape. And it was like, run to the second block, you know? And guys, when I hit one mile, I was like, one mile. And I was like Rocky Marciano, right? Like running up the stairs. I did a mile. That's how out of shape I was. And I was training just to do a 10K. And I remember I ran a 10K and that was like the achievement of my life, right? In 2010. And here you fast forward to 2021. I'm like, I'm going to go do a 10K. I got to run. And so, so much changed in all of that time. But those changes don't usually come from women. They come from other experiences in your life. Or, this is the number one reason, God changes the heart of a man. 
God changes the heart of a man. That's why women, you got to be looking after a guy that is submitted to God. Because if he ain't submitted to God, there ain't no way he's submitting to you. I'll say that one more time. If your husband won't submit to God, there's no way he's going to submit to you. So find you someone that knows how to submit to God. And so, ladies, this is my counsel to you all. Find a guy right now that is just absolutely loving on you. Find a guy right now that is just going above and beyond because here's what's happening. He's going to change a little bit in his marriage. But I want you to remember back to this sermon and realize your man's not broken. He's going to his default mechanism of being loyal. I'm going to wind this sermon down in just a, in, in right now, but I want to read you something um, it's back in Ephesians. Let me just pull out this text. I didn't want to just read this scripture to you all and leave it alone, but let me come back to it, okay? I, I read this to you. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and he gave himself for the church. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Most people think when they, most people, um, guys will think to themselves, I've got no problem laying down my wife, laying down my life for my wife, right? Most guys are like, yeah. I'll die for my wife. If it was like up to like my wife or I, I'd die. I'd take the bullet. I would totally lay down my wife. We have no problem being the hero. But a lot of guys have a hard time being the husband. And there's a difference. We have no problem being the hero. But sometimes we struggle being the husband. What's the husband? It's picking up the kids. It's helping out around the house. It's doing all of the little things. And we want to be the hero, absolutely, because we're wired that way, right? Whereas men, we're like, oh, I have no problem being the hero. But being the husband, that's difficult. But when you see this, this comparison between Christ and the way we should love our wives, Jesus didn't descend down on earth and immediately go to a cross, did he? I don't know. Think about what he did. He lived on earth for 33 and a half years. And if you look at the last three years of his life here on earth before he was crucified on a cross and ascended into heaven, what was he doing? He was serving all of his followers, right? He would say, I have not come to be served, but I came to serve. So for three years, he is serving. He is serving. He is serving. Now, now Paul says that the church is the bride of Christ. So he is serving the bride, if you will. So he is serving the bride and giving us an example. What was he doing? He was being the husband before he was being the hero. So men, let me, let me, let me, let me lean in on that. You got to be ready to be the husband and not just the hero. It goes on to say this, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. And, and, and let me just pause there for a second. What, what, what is so important about that right there is men, we've got to be the spiritual leaders of our home. You've got to be the spiritual leaders of your home. I don't care how much Bible you know or don't know. You've got to be the spiritual. You got to set that spiritual temperature in your home. Your kids need to see you as a man of God and not, well, mom, mom's got a great relationship with God and she kind of drags dad along as well. No, no, no. We men, because again, he's talking to the men right here, that he might sanctify and cleanse it by the washing of the water of the word, that he might, now this is the end right here, okay, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. What was the writer saying? Men, because again, he's talking to the men, it's your job to present your marriage in this way. It's, it's my responsibility that my marriage is blameless. It's not my wife's responsibility. It's, it's my responsibility. It's the man of the house to say, you know what? My marriage may not be perfect, but here it is right now. And I'm responsible for the sanctity in my marriage. 
I'm responsible for the holiness of my marriage. It's my responsibility for my house to be the way that it is supposed to be, following after God's promises and following after God's precepts. That's my responsibility. I'm not delegating that to my wife. That is up to me. That's what I am going to do because that's how Christ loved the church. Now, for the guys that are thinking, man, Pastor Josh is coming in hard on us today. Next week, you're gonna, there's going to be a message just to the women, okay? But here's what I know about marriage, okay? Marriage is not 50-50. If you, and I tell that to all the young couples that I'm counseling who are about to get married, marriage ain't 50-50. Marriage is 100-100. You have both got to be giving it 100 or it's not going to work. It's not going to work. Now, now it's Super Bowl Sunday at the time of this broadcast. It's Super Bowl Sunday. So can I give you a football example? Because the, the reason I say it's not 50-50 is this. Lots of times men do their part, and if their wife doesn't meet them there, if she only got to the, so you get to the 50-yard line, and she only got to the 20 or the 30-yard line, you, you've got some yardage there of miscommunication, distrust, and breakdown. That, that's the problem with the 50-50 marriage. You think, well, I do my part, she does her part. No, 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 no. When you are 100 in, even when she is not able to do her part, you come in and you make up the rest. So some days, she ain't going to meet you at the 50-yard line. She's only able to meet you at the 40, and you have to go 60. Some days, she's going to meet you at the 30, and you've got to go 70. Some days, she's going to meet you at the 20, and you have got to go 80. Whatever that number is, you got to be prepared to get there. And... and and, you know, after the birth of my third son, my son Jackson, uh, you know, it, it's a very normal thing that happens to women. So I talked to you men about women changing. She started going through some postpartum depression, and it got real. And uh, my wife, she's a counselor. That's what she does. And, and, and she works in counseling, and she went to see the doctor. And then the doctor said, well, this is what's going on with you. You've got depression. And he tried to prescribe her the same pills that her clients would take for their imbalances. And she couldn't believe that she was now being prescribed the same medication that her clients were being prescribed by their doctors. And that was a moment where she came home and she said, Josh, I, I think I, I've got an, a real issue here. And I remember in that season when my wife was going through that and thank God she came out of that. But in that season, I felt like I was giving 60, 70, 80. Some days I felt like I was giving 90 and I'm thinking, is she not going to help out? But here's the thing. I was 100 committed to that marriage. It wasn't a 50-50 proposition. It was a 100-100 proposition. And I needed to go into that marriage knowing that I am going to bring everything that I've got, even on days when she can't bring much. And that's how marriages survive. And I'm going to close with this story here in the Bible because most people don't even know this story is in the Bible, but I want to I want to tell you about this story. It's about the prophet Hosea in the Old Testament. And we don't read Hosea much because if you read the prophecies in there and if you read about his story, it's a trip, man. Some of you are going to wonder like, is that really in the Bible? So let me break it down to you. God tells Hosea to go and marry this woman named Gomer. Gomer was a prostitute. Okay? Hosea was a prophet. Most prophets aren't getting married to prostitutes, right? It's like they're typically going to meet a wife who, you know, has that same bend towards the things of God. But God told Hosea, you're going to go marry Gomer, and she's a prostitute. But that's who I've selected for you to marry. And, and Hosea, because he's a prophet, he probably kept himself, you know, he, he dotted his eyes, crossed his eyes. He well behaved. And he's like, are you serious, God? You want me to go marry this prostitute? But God said, I want you to go marry Gomer. And so Hosea goes, and he marries Gomer. They start a family together. They have two kids. 
But because Gomer had come out of a life of promiscuity, the Bible says she went back into that life. And she went back and resold herself into prostitution. And then God spoke to Hosea and said, one more time, go and get Gomer. Now, if, you're, if I'm Hosea, I'm like, okay, it's bad enough that you made me <laughs> marry this girl, but I'm obedient, okay? We started a family, but, but now she left, and I heard she's pregnant because she had a third kid, and it wasn't from him. And God said, I want you to go and get Gomer and bring her back home. And Hosea was like, I don't want to do this. But he did. And he didn't just go and bring her home, but the Bible said he had to pay for her to come back home. So she was already indebted to some other man. And he paid her ransom, brought her back into the house. And again, she had a third kid that wasn't even his. And that's a crazy story in the Old Testament that we don't preach a lot about. But the reason it's in the Old Testament is because it's a story to describe God's love towards his people. And I want to make that same application to our conversation today. Because again, Paul said, you need to love your wife as Christ loved the church. So how much did he love? He, he, he showed us and demonstrated his love through the life of Hosea when he said, even though she's turned her back on you, and even though she seems unfit for marriage, I'm still asking you to marry her. And Hosea demonstrated the love of God. What is the love of God? That we've not always been honest with him, that we've made our mistakes and we've turned our back on him and we've not always been good. And yet he still loves us and he still pursues us and he's still calling out to us. And that's our example. The same way God chases after us is the same way, men, you have got to chase after your wife. So listen to me right now. Stop being loyal to your wife and start loving her. She needs your love more than she needs your loyalty. Right there, can I just pray for you? Everyone watching online, would you just close your eyes, bow your heads, and I'm gonna pray for every home and for all the guys here in this room, and then I'm gonna take you through another step, but let's pray. Father, we thank you for our time together. Thank you, God, for these moments to share and to get into your word. And Father, I pray today that out of everything we discussed, that there'd be something in there, God, that would impact a marriage, that there would be something in there that would begin to turn the heart of a man who's watching, that, that, that man who's gotten complacent in his marriage, that, that man that stopped pursuing his wife, that, that husband that's been too distracted with other things, that he's no longer making time for his children, his wife, the way that he should. I just pray, God, that right now he would be so challenged and convicted, God, and that more importantly, Father, you would come into his heart right now your spirit and your presence would meet him in such a way that there would be such a change in his life. I pray, Father, that as he changes, that home would change, that marriage would change, his relationships with his kids would change, that there would be a new day in that household of God because the man, the head of that house, the man of God decided that this was the day that he would start loving his wife and loving his family. We ask all that in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.